For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. My brain doesn't work. <laughs> Recorded live. Hi everyone, it's Janet with the mentor group call for uh, the uh, end of March, beginning of April. It's actually April Fool's Day on, at, in my world at the moment, but um, uh, we're doing the call at uh, 31st of March US time, so I'm not playing any jokes on anyone, <laughs> I promise. Uh, I've got Melanie on the call with me and I know that Melissa can't make it today and I'm not sure what's happening with Mary and um, Nikki will be joining us in about 15 minutes in. So uh, I'm going to begin by doing a backup recording because I did a call this morning and apparently at about an hour in, went for the last 15 minutes, nobody told me, but we had aliens on the line so TalkShoe had some sort of cross connection so I'm doing backup recordings um, just in case. And our topic for today is how to manage the fraud feeling. That is, uh, my life sucks or things aren't perfect or I'm still broke or fat or whatever, so I feel like a fraud. I'm quoting Lisa here, so I didn't make that up. Um, but yes, I think it's a really juicy topic um, because even though we might intellectually know that coaches don't have to be perfect, I think there's still potentially that sense of I can't talk about that thing because that thing is something that I that I said I had nailed or I I don't know it's Melanie I know that you have spoken about this before about the idea that you know you don't want to be too far out in front of your um, client you know you, if your life is perfect it makes it harder for your client to sort of get any traction and I think that's a I think it's certainly true that being vulnerable and open and authentic gives our clients a sense of relief about, you know, oh, thank God my coach is human too. And yet there is still sometimes that feeling of, but I'm not quite good enough or who am I to talk about this stuff? Do you still find that, Melanie, or is it just me? <laughs> Sorry, I'm muted with my puppies. Um, you know, it's ironic. I'm kind of laughing to myself here as I'm muted. <laughs> Um, because I've experienced every one of these feelings today. Oh my God, how funny. On my yes. coaching calls. So it cracks oh, wow. me up because first of all, I have to say that I'm pretty transparent and open with my clients. Yeah. I, I, there's nothing that I really will hold back. Um, it's not that I'm you know, wanting to talk about myself all the time, but I think it's just the way that helps us relate to each other and maybe helps them to see like, oh, here's an example. So I was just on a call like half an hour ago and um, someone launched something that didn't succeed in her, you know, definition of success. Yes. And um, so I just said, I told her all about my story shape-shifting program and how that went and, you know, how devastated I felt and, um you know, she, there were tears on her part. It, it reminded her of, you know, another situation where she had labored and labored. And um, so 
I'm pretty open book. But then a call earlier I was on, I I feel like crap today. I have a horrible headache. And mm-hmm. I was sitting there thinking to myself, God, I feel like shit. I, I'm probably not as present as I should be. Even though I was and she felt happy and we were having a really good conversation, I was giving myself a super hard time about it and yeah. thinking I should feel better. I should, I should this, I should that. Um, so that I can be the most effective that I can be. I don't have my shit together is essentially the feeling, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just funny because everything that you're talking about is something that I just experienced in the last three hours. Well, that's so interesting. And I think, I mean, first of all, I want to say I, I think the that, that authenticity, that openness, it's, um, it's something I've noticed that the the really good coaches that I know do that um, and they do it in a really like they don't do it as a kind of convenient marketing ploy this happened to me so therefore I understand you they do it in a really genuine way where um, because well there's a couple of things I want to say about it first of all I want to say that um, there is definitely uh, you know, our role as a coach is not to be the expert giving authoritative d- advice. So if we try and show up with this sort of veneer of perfection, we're kind of working counter to the philosophy, to so the whole principle of coaching anyway. Um, coaching is about helping the client, elic- you know, eliciting from the client their own already existing wisdom. They already have the answers and no matter what tools we're using or what techniques we're, we're, you know, is is our happy place, at the end of the day what we're doing is we are eliciting that power within them. And if we come to the coaching relationship with this kind of aura of I have it all together and my life is perfect, I think we actually do that a disservice. And... I wouldn't be going out there and sort of publicly maybe saying, you know, you should look for the most flawed coach you can find. I don't think that that's necessarily, what, you know, the the logical conclusion that I would draw. <laughs> but I certainly, I know for me, if a coach says I have all the answers, there's no way I'm hiring them. If they say this thing happened to me and I figured out an answer and it might suit you too, then that will make me prick my ears up. <clears throat> but a, a coach who says I have it all together and now... I can, you know, it's a bit like the template thing. When somebody says, my template will get you 30 clients in in five days, I'm immediately wary because I know that we're all individuals and that what works for somebody else isn't automatically automatically going to work for me. If I sign up for somebody else's template of how to do something, I'm sort of handing over my power. So I'm... I'm reluctant to to even engage a coach who sort of has this sense of I have it all figured out all the time. Okay, I have when, to break in for a second because yeah, I am cracking yeah. up over here muted because this was part of the conversation as well. This oh, no, funny. has taken a business school that shall not be um, named and right. felt completely overwhelmed and was trying to integrate every single piece of that curriculum Ouch. into her business and it wasn't working and you have to 
to listen to your essential self. You have to. Yeah. The clients do have all the answers. Maybe they don't want to blog. Maybe they don't like to write. Maybe they'd yeah. rather do video. You don't have to do it all. But my my bigger point is that I think if you're not sharing your own stuff, and I don't mean to take over like that, there is, there can be a sense of one-uppedness if you aren't mm. careful, right? Yes. This, yeah, yeah, this yeah. sense of, yeah. ooh, and I went through that, and, and you're not doing that. <laughs> what you're doing is yes. you're trying to... <laughs> You're trying to get them a little bit out of their story that they're super attached to and into a different one so that they can see, ooh, me too. Yeah. And there is... That's how they access their own essential wisdom. Yes. I'm a great believer too in... I I know we talk about, you know, we've talked before about the idea of, you know, what you do with people who are story fondling. And, And one of the things I find... I, that I think is really important is to make sure that the client knows their story is heard. And one of the ways that we can do that is by saying, I get it, I've been there. And if we can say, you know, your example is a really good one. You had this person who showed up with a very, it's a similar enough experience that you could totally authentically say, oh my God, this is what happened to me. And I, not only did I survive it, but I'm thriving. Because what you're doing is, you're, first of all, you're saying you're not alone. So they know, so they get that, there's a huge relief in that. And that already gets them, you know, up the vibrational scale. She actually point where said that at the end of the call. She said, I can't believe how much better I feel. Like, I can't yeah. believe how I feel like, like I can take a deep breath. Like, it was, it was exactly what you're describing. Yeah, it's so powerful. I actually think that this idea that somehow we have this self-imposed thing that says we ought to be perfect, it's um you know, it's completely it's completely the reverse. If we have some war stories of our own, we can use them even if they're not identical. We can still use them because we can, we recognize the emotional state of distress and it's and that's easy how we for relate us to each other is through that's story. Right. Exactly, exactly. We're, and you're right. It's not like we're playing one-upmanship and going, oh, my my scars are bigger than your scars. It's like, yeah, you, know exactly. the scene, you know the scene in Jaws where the guys are all sitting around in the boat and having a drink and comparing shark bite scars? No, <laughs> but that's that. awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, that sense of you're not alone and and the sense of this you know, if I'm the if I'm the coachee, if I'm the client, and I hear my coach telling the story of how they experienced something that felt like as awful as what I'm going through, and then they tell me that they got out of it, that they recovered, that they are now thriving, then the amount of optimism and hope that that generates is it's it's absolutely stellar, absolutely stellar. And um, Nikki's just joined us. Hi, Nikki. Hello, Diane. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. I, I messaged you for the last call. Sorry, I couldn't make it. Oh, no, no, no. That's perfectly fine. Um, the uh, So you did you, you saw my email about the topic yes, for today? I, about, yeah, yes, yes. Very interesting. So Melanie, just to catch you up, Melanie was, was saying that she's just had one of those days where, you know, she's had the opportunity to share with clients that she's not perfect and you know, how, how this actually gives us this power to relate to our clients. So, um, Absolutely. Hi, Melanie. Yeah. 
Hi, how are you? I'm fine. I think you're right. It, it, it establishes credibility when you've gone through the same thing and you've come out of it. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things I found, I, I can remember the very first time when I was first reading Jeanette's blog, uh, I hadn't, and it was before she'd founded GBU and uh, it was before even she did Money Mojo Magic, which was the sort of precursor of GBU. So it was sort of it was a while ago. And she shared something that was going on for her. Like I'd been reading her blog for, for several weeks and, um, loving it and then she shared something that she was actually going through in that moment or it was a few days after you know we there's that thing where you don't share it in the red hot moment of the the pain you share it as soon as possible you know once you've kind of figured out your way out of it so that you've got that a little bit of perspective and you can share it in a more useful way and she was doing that and I can remember it like it hit me between the eyes like a bolt of lightning the idea that here was somebody human who, and the, the huge relief I felt at recognizing that it was okay not to be perfect. And yes, I, you know, that's, it, it wasn't like I, that, that resolved that whole perfectionist thing overnight, but it went a long way towards giving me some traction so that I could then question the old paradigms about having to be perfect all the time. And, um, I can still remember that feeling that I got in that moment. And so even in situations where we're not talking one-on-one -on -one with someone, the, you know, Jeanette didn't know for, for a long time that I had that experience. So it's like when we're expressing ourselves out there in the world, we don't know who is reading it and, and getting that sense of connection and relief and potential empowerment just because of something we said in a blog post. And that kind of blows me away. You know, I remember an experience with Jenny Lawson, the blogger. Mm -hmm. I mean, she has, a, she has a quite a famous blog. I mean, she has a huge readership. But the most viral blog that she ever posted, I mean, she's usually just funny and snarky and dry and, you know, yeah. joking around about things. And on this particular blog, she wrote about self-harming. She wow. didn't say whether she was cutting or what, you know, what she was doing, but she basically said that this is an issue for her and she was doing it. That blog went absolutely viral beyond any blog I've ever seen. She ended up going to talk on CNN. She was in the Washington Post. It was everywhere. Wow. And it was just her sharing something that was up for her. And the interesting thing is that if, if, if someone were to do that in a cynical way as a sort of, you know, with the with the intention of having something go viral, you mm -hmm. can bet it would backfire. Oh you know, yeah, it would because because you can tell when when it's genuine and when it's um, when it's not, and it's that sense of authenticity that makes something like that go viral. That that I you know vulnerability. It's amazing. Yeah, the one yeah. the word vulnerability. Yeah, that's what it is. They just lay it out all open. So true. I had a client once ask me to do some research to tell her what topics might go viral. And I literally, I was so shocked. I said, here's the thing. It doesn't work that way. If you share yeah. something transparently, authentically, vulnerably, that might go viral. But looking for topics that are, you know, currently trending, 
is not yeah. the, the ticket. No, you have to exactly. move people. Yeah, yeah, it is connection and moving them, and and we do that through transparency and authenticity and vulnerability. And and the weird thing is that being that vulnerable is sometimes the hardest thing to do because you know we come from this paradigm that says if you're in business you've got to be professional and you've got to do this and you've got to do that and and especially for coaches there's this still there's this culture out there and I, I you know I brush across it um, you know there are some Facebook groups that I'm a member of that I've pretty much turned off the notifications but every so often one sneaks through <laughs> um, things like the business of coaching Michelle Woodward's um, group where there are people from all kinds of different corners of the coaching world from from the you know our kind of zone the law of attraction zone right through to people who are doing much more um i don't know kind of goal setting old fashioned kind of coaching and and again every so often the conversation will come around to that question of openness and authenticity i think michelle is a very is very good at doing the um open authentic stuff but the fa- but there are but people show up asking the question all the time you know it, how how open should i be how vulnerable should i be um i was i remember recently going to i met a lass at a, a thing in melbourne and um she's a coach she's not been in the business very long but she's she's coming from a much more I want to say muggle based kind of coaching parent you know model um, and her she has a website and her website doesn't have a photo of her I think it only mentions her by name it's all about the company and it's only mentions her by name and the about page and it makes it look like she's a member of staff rather than the person who is the company I mean there isn't a company it's just her and I remember thinking how that it's like a veneer it's like a really thick shell that's going to be hard for people to penetrate you know I I certainly don't feel comfortable signing up to any coaching when it's not an individual that I've had a conversation with in some way whether it's a a sense whether it's just by listening to them on a call or whatever it's um I think it's really interesting that there's still a lot of coaches out there doing that kind of approach. Um, I think it's also the way our society is formed. Just take Facebook, for example. You know, sometimes I feel you feel a bit of a fraud there because everyone puts up these statuses and posts and pictures that show the yes. good side of life, you know, and not the real mm. side or the authentic side. And so there's this pressure, unsaid pressure, uh, even on Facebook, so business is definitely more serious, uh, but there's this unsaid pressure that you have to be perfect and you have to be looking good, and especially if you're a coach, nothing wrong can happen in your life and you can't have bad yeah. days. <laughs> so, Actually, yeah. that's a really good point. That's such a good point, Nikki. I think that's one of the areas where in Law of Attraction, I know that I, I'm very picky about how I connect on Facebook. I don't share, you know, the dramas when they happen until after they've happened and they've been resolved and I know Jackie Gates has a wonderful expression she said um, when you've got to remember that what you're looking at on Facebook is somebody else's highlights reel and what you see in your own life is the outtakes 
and 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 we run into trouble if we start comparing somebody else's highlights reel with our own outtakes reel. It, you know, the gag reel. It's it's they're all sort of shiny and professional, and we're falling over on banana peel. It's just not the same thing. Um, and and that's okay as long as we don't fall into the trap of thinking that we have to live up to somebody else's. Yeah, so that comparison I should um, yeah. set in. Mm. Yeah, because I, I remember one time, um, I mean, I have not many, uh, I don't have a huge group on Facebook as my friend list. It's, it's the people who are most, you know, important to me and who are part of my life. And sure. I, I clean up my Facebook friend list every December and, you know, inconsequential people, however mean it seems, and they just go. <laughs> so I <laughs> send them. <laughs> and uh, yep. But I, I sometimes put on this updates about a crappy day as well. And um, because it just, I, I'm just inspired to do it. And and initially, my my friends and family, used to, they used to get shocked because, you know, they were, they're not used to, like people are not even used to seeing that on Facebook. You know, people being real. It's all about the holidays and, the, you know, the good stuff, the traveling. <laughs> so, um, yeah. but but now they know that it doesn't mean that I'm stuck in that situation forever. It's just a moment, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. His own. Yeah. I think one of the reasons why I'm pretty careful around putting stuff like that on Facebook is because I use Facebook as my business, business connection yeah. as I, well. I, so, yeah. And, and so, and I know that for me, uh, making that because initially I set it up purely as a personal thing. It was before I was in business. It was so. I know I was talk. I was in a conversation with somebody recently who said that she's gone back through her entire Facebook timeline. She's made it a project, and she does a little bit at a time. But she's basically deleted every post that she doesn't think fits in with her business. And I thought to myself. I sort of get it, but at the same time, I'm like, seriously, if it, I I can't control who it's that would be like trying to go back and control who I was back then. It feels like feels too much like hard work. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody wants to know who I was in 2008, well, they can go and have a look. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> yeah, like like Janice Moore, she puts up lots of statuses where she's written about not such good experiences, but in the same post, she's also written her, a comment which she's added herself yeah. about how she figured it all out eventually. So uh, yeah. those are real ones. Yeah. And that's that's something that's very useful. That's something Melanie and I were sort of saying earlier is that when if we are willing to share something I mean I, I don't like to share it in the red hot moment but I'd certainly share it soon afterwards to sort of say this is what happened and this is what I did to get out of it because I think that in itself is useful for other people, not just because it shows that we're human too, but because it actually gives them a really specific example of how something worked. I mean, I did that when I was, I posted recently, I don't know, about last how? week sometime, about the using vibration. Sorry? Sorry, I thought it was about the how. You're doing this thing about not oh, yeah. how, which I thought was so cool. <laughs> Oh yeah, I haven't shared that one publicly. I've shared that one with the Good Vibe Coach Academy group um, and my own group that I run. But um, but no, last week I shared something that happened where I had some uh, stuff that came up to do with family, and I didn't share in a lot of detail because it's not all. It's not my story to fully tell. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm okay. careful about not sharing other people's 
stuff. You know, if it's a story, a yeah. co-creation, I'm, yeah. I'm careful about what I share. But, um, yeah, just being able to sort of say, look, I used, I, this is what happened, and I used this tool, and this is what the outcome was. Um, it's kind of, I don't know, it, it feels good to do it, and it, I think it serves, it serves a, the purpose of not only... Um, it's that thing of being able to say to people, look, this might be happening to you and there is a way out. It does get better. It can get better. Change is possible. Because um, I think Wait, sometimes... Also, people, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think sometimes one of the barriers to change is a, is the belief that things can't change. And it's that kind of, you know, spinning your wheels that I think that people get stuck in sometimes. Sorry, Melanie, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, sometimes I think... Um, there's a really fine balance on Facebook because I actually like to be a little bit vulnerable sometimes. There's a balance because, for one, there is a tendency to put only your best self out on Facebook. Yeah. Which I think can be really damaging. I really do. Everything is always perfect, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And second, that the other side of that coin is is someone like a friend of mine for example who tells you every single thing that's wrong all day long you know? oh my lord like, <laughs> like it's, it's insane like you know i woke up with this and this happened and this happened and it's all day long like it's it's absolutely draining but there's yeah. a fine balance in there of being able to share like so for example i before I had my hysterectomy, I hadn't really said anything to anybody. And I got a hit, like, maybe I'll just put it out there a couple of days before my surgery. And I did, and I didn't do it in a way like, ooh, you know. I, I just said, like, this is up for me, and I'm, you know, I'm a little worried about it, and I kind of joked around. And I just shared it, and I got tons of responses from people who had gone through the same thing. And so there's a balance, I think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's um, and I think that's different for each of us. You know, I I think that uh, I can feel it when I'm about to post something that doesn't feel right in that moment. Yes. And I've had my, I've had times where I've posted and then gone back a day later and deleted the post. Uh, uh, for example, I I. I had a post about um like I I'm I'm not shy about my political views and um I do my best to post positive things so I I will post when there's positive change and I will post when there's a petition that is seeking positive change uh and I will post when there is a speech by someone that expresses how I feel in a really powerful way uh I don't post anti anything as much as you know, when I when I can avoid it, and every so often I get sucked into uh, posting something that is that triggers a conversation amongst my because uh, I've got you know my Facebook world includes people I've got political connections with, and I, um, for example, I posted a little while ago something about um, uh, you know seeking a more compassionate way of 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 um, handling refugees in Australia because um, we're doing a really bad job at the moment. And 
somebody that I, somebody, a friend of a friend, um, posted something that was sort of in support of her favourite political party. And I, you know, I had the conversation about sort of saying, you know, that um, thank you for commenting. Um, this isn't about supporting any political party. I would like to see all parties having compassion at their core. Uh, and she got quite sort of snarky about that, you know, oh, but, you know, this party's been always been like that and that party's always been like that. And it was, a, you know, I hesitated. I was like, do I delete this whole conversation because I didn't want this messy vibration in my feed for all to see? And then I thought, no, I, the, the original intention was felt good. It felt good to su support the idea of compassion as a core value. So I came back and basically said, look, I'm not, you know, I, I, I like to have a vision of a world where not one single political party holds the market, you know, corners the market in compassion. I would like to see them all change. That's my vision for the world. Um, but there was a, it was very close to that fine line. You know, if I do post something and it just ends up with people doing rants about how terrible our Prime Minister is, that probably gets deleted because it's like, oh, I don't need that. We know. <laughs> I, you know, nobody who knows me is surprised when I'm not a fan. <laughs> See, no, you know, I have I mean? no problem putting my political views up on Facebook. I mean, I'm not a hugely political person, but, like, when that video went around about, you know, Republicans getting my vagina, I was all over that because I yes. just... I, I, it made me laugh, and I and I don't exactly. mind if there's a little, you know, kind arguing back and forth. Um, if yeah. it starts to get personal or below the belt, then I don't, you know, I don't care for that. But it's just, yeah. I, I don't. I guess I don't feel like everybody has to agree with me. It's okay, you know. And yeah, if they like, don't like me, they'll unfriend me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, if I put yeah. up something about Republicans in, in the vagina, then they'll just have to hit delete. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing with social media that, you know, the um, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Susan Hyatt or uh, somebody, uh, one of those sort of, uh, somebody from that kind of world, um, posted something about, or actually she shared it. I don't think she, I don't think she originated, but I think I first saw it there. The idea that um, her Facebook page is like her front room. It's like when I when I share something on my Facebook feed, it's like I'm saying something in my house and you get to agree with me or not, but you don't get to disrespect me and you certainly don't get to disrespect the other people who are having the conversation. If you do yeah, that, then you get kicked out. You know, And I thought that was a really good metaphor for... for for that whole idea of how we present ourselves out there in the world through social media, it's like this is this is my space. This is I'm inviting people into my space by what I say, and I'm giving them a sense of who I am by what I say. So that that degree of vulnerability and authenticity, I'm the one who gets to control that, and and it does have to be a conscious decision, rather than a you know because we don't want to be we don't want to be the person who's like like you say, relentlessly sharing twenty four seven drama. Um, yeah. Because that's not that's not who we are anyway. About you know, we don't want to be that person. <laughs> yeah. Literally, I mean, about everything. I I know. You know, there's a couple yeah. of things. One thing this week, I put up a blog about how my energy is affecting my dog's behavior, and yes. somebody wrote a comment on there that said 
basically that my boyfriend, um, oh, how did they put it, should never be allowed to procreate or have pets if he's thinking about a shock collar. And I wow. deleted it quickly. I thought, I don't want that yeah. on here. Like, they're, they're judging yeah. him for, you know, I mean, they, they don't know the story that Dustin, my boyfriend, is like, I'll try the shock collar myself. We just need to do something. You know, we'll put it on me yeah. first to make sure it doesn't hurt. Like, none of that. And, and you know, it's that. And then the other thing that I was going to bring up is Susan Hyatt right now. If you go to her Facebook page, she is mm-hmm. getting some crazy, crazy hate mail. And wow. It's like crazy hate mail, like threatening hate mail. And yeah. I think that that happens the more that you own yourself and your position and your beliefs and, your, and you put yourself out there, that mm-hmm. it's like you've shined that mirror to, to gleaming and people are going to be triggered by it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's putting something out there that I shouldn't, but, you know, she's super vulnerable on her Facebook page. She, yeah. she says what she thinks. She, you know, she doesn't mince words. She's, you know, she can be happy or she can be angry. I mean, she doesn't really stop. And she definitely hears about it sometimes. Yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, and I think that, you know, sometimes that, that sense of, you know, one of the things we definitely need if we're going to be successful is we need to be prepared to be visible. Uh, the extent to which and the way in which we be, we allow that visibility is still something that we get to make those choices about. But we don't want to be so frightened of how people see us that we suddenly become a beige version of ourselves. Do you know what I mean? So we, you know, I've, I mean, I've, <laughs> I can remember years and years ago when I was working in the in the union. I was actually working as a puppeteer, but uh, as a performer and. I was working on a TV show and I was nominated as the, I was elected the, to be the union rep for the, for, um, for the cast. And uh, there was some stuff that was happening that wasn't kosher. And so I rang up the production, the line, line producer and, you know, we got it sorted. And there was never any problem. You know, he and I had a really good relationship, but I had one of the, one of the other puppeteers came to my house to tell me that I was being a troublemaker. <laughs> this is somebody mm. who benefited from my troublemaking. To tell me I was being a troublemaker and that if I wasn't careful, I would never work again. And oh my God. I, can remember, I can remember being, first of all, I was really shocked. I'm like, this isn't coming from the producer with whom I have these negotiations. This is coming from one of the people I'm helping. You know, I'm supporting. He's getting correctly paid because I stood up to the the, you know the attempt to undercut his pay. Uh, thank you very much. So there was that sort of like, you know, well, fuck you. <laughs> Pardon my French, mm-hmm. but really, that's what I felt like. <laughs> um, but then the follow, and I was really kind of, I felt really hurt by it. And then the next morning, I woke up. We had the radio on, and there was an interview with a woman called, oh God, I can't remember her last name. Australian woman. I can't remember her last name. Eva something. She's um. Uh, a leading sort of feminist writer and speaker and very active um, commentator. And she was saying that the first time she was called a troublemaker, she felt so flattered and she'd been embracing that title for the rest of her life. And I suddenly thought, oh my God, I've seen this completely the wrong way. Like I was worried about the fact that 
you know, people weren't, might not like me because I was a troublemaker. And now I'm going, I'm a troublemaker. I'm going to yes, celebrate cool. that. That's the cool thing. It is cool. So yeah. it's sort of, and I've heard it again recently, you know, that thing, that idea that if somebody's not pissed, if you're not pissing somebody off you, then you're not doing your job properly. You're not standing mm-hmm. proudly enough for what it is you represent. Mm. So I, I have a question about this. So mm. uh, since, since both of you, uh, you know, actually coach clients, uh, unlike me, I haven't really coached clients, paying clients. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to know, like, like on Facebook, if there have been times when I've put up a post and other people, friends and family have passionately disagreed with me. And um, sometimes it's made me upset. And then I've had to question myself, you know, why am I upset? Am I seeking approval? Am I not stable in my vibe of who I am? Why why is it upsetting me? And then I figure out through the self-talk process and self-coaching process about what, what do I need to do next. But mm-hmm. what do you do if a client challenges you like that, you know, uh, you know, challenges, I mean, does it happen? Does it happen that clients think that the way out of a situation that you, um, you know, have quoted from your own example or whichever way your conclusion has come to in the conversation with your client, does does the client dis- completely disagree and get really passionate about that disagreement and does that affect you? Well, that's a great question. Um, Melanie, what do you think? So my boyfriend just came in. I heard most of it. It's just that if a client disagrees with something you put on Facebook, how do you handle it? Is that the question? No, not on Facebook, but just, just on a call or on a conversation oh, okay. with a client. Okay. If your client disagrees with you and becomes really passionate about that disagreement and it seems as if it's going to upset you. Does it really upset you or do you, are you able to handle it? And is it, it does it happen with clients? You know, I've never really had that happen because I've never, I'm just answering this off the cuff. I'd have to really think about it, but I don't think I've ever mm. had a huge disagreement with a client because I'm sort of just listening. I'm not really imposing my views. I, I might say, and, and I language it very specifically. Like I might say, okay, let's say a client comes to me and says, this and this and this happens, and they talk you know, for, for quite some time, and then I'll say, I have a hunch. Please tell me where I'm wrong. I always say, please tell me where I'm wrong, because I don't want my views to be, quote, unquote, forced on them. Yeah. So I, I always... Soften it up, yeah. Yeah, I always I always do it that way because I could be wrong. I could be totally off base. My intuitive fit might be off the wall. So I don't hmm. want to, I, I don't think I've ever had a problem with that. Okay, good to know. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. I think the only time I'm trying to think back to whether I've ever had a disagreement with a client and there has been one, but it wasn't it certainly didn't well let me think about it there was one time I had a client we were sort of experimenting with a new way of coaching and because at that stage I was doing uh, I had an offering which was email coaching and this um, guy wanted to do he doesn't like email he likes to use Skype messaging and I he sort of said you know could you do it that way and I was like well we could give it a shot and see how it works and 
so the the medium through which we were coaching was a bit on the awkward side because I you know it was wasn't as smooth for me as email coaching so there was already a little bit of kind of friction in the coaching arrangement the coaching relationship um but I realized and so I I when I started to get irritated with the how it was unfolding after about because we'd agreed to do it for a month and after about the first 10 days I was starting to get irritated and I thought it was because of the Skype messaging I thought it was because of the medium and then and then I realized it was actually because he would ask for a strategy around something and I would make a suggestion you know we would talk about something and I would uh, get some insights you know I'd ask the questions and get the insights and then he would want a strategy so I would give him a suggestion and sort of say is that does that sound like something that would be helpful and he would say yes and then the next time I heard from him it would be a whole new question there wouldn't be any conversation about the strategy itself how it was unfolding any changes so it wasn't like so so I had begun to think that he was not simply not doing any of the work and I actually sort of said to him look how are you going with the strategies and he said oh I, had, I didn't do it and this happened this had happened about three times so the disagreement actually was about the fact that he wasn't being coachable it wasn't about an opinion or a point of view it was about how the relationship was unfolding and I actually said to him look I'm not going to respond to any further questions until I know that you've done some work on the questions we've already discussed because right it seems to me that you're kind of avoiding doing the work by constantly asking new questions. So I sort of did have to get a bit clear with um, him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't, I had to kind of give him a sort of an ultimatum in the end. And, uh, and he responded really well. He sort of said, oh my gosh, I can see what you're getting at. Yes, I'm going to go back and do that. And then he reported back and things unfolded from there. And I, that's the only time that comes even close to being a disagreement that I can think of. And I think part of the reason for that is that our clients kind of self-select us. I don't think, and I think that's one of the beauties about the fact that we both of us, Melanie and I, have both been quite open, is, and that's why I won't choose a client who, you know, if a, if a coach's only presence online is through a company and you know it's constantly talking about you know we and our company values and so on and I know it's in a single individual and they're just hiding behind this facade that's never going to work for me I want to know who that person is before I sign up as a client and I want to know that you know I mean I I could I could I, I think I could be coached by somebody who's a Republican I honestly don't know to be honest but I certainly, couldn't, I certainly couldn't sign up as a client of somebody who is a Republican and expects me to become one as well. Uh, well and I think I would figure that out from their Facebook feed. Do you know what I mean? I think you've also raised a good point that a disagreement around your situation where a client isn't doing what they are signing up to do, that they're actually paying you to do, Yes. It's different than, and you said this earlier in the call, if, if we have an agenda as a coach and we're trying to push our views and not allow them to come to it themselves, there probably could be a potential for disagreement. But yes, yeah. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. And that, you know, because at the end of the it day... It has to come from them. Yeah. 
I mean, it's not my business if my client is a, you know, uh, a right-wing racist. But if that's the conversation that we're having, I get to choose whether I feel the need for them to agree with me politically or not. Um, so, for example, if they wanted me to, if somebody wanted me to coach them on how to rip off their employees, I probably would say to them that I'm not the right coach for them. If they want me to coach them on how to, you know, line up with having more money, great. But if they want me to sort of get into the details and help them do something that I am sort of philosophically and morally opposed to, then they're probably not my client. And they probably would never have signed up with me in the first place. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. So does that answer the question, Nikki? Yes, yes, it does. Thank you so much for seeing yeah, yeah. Because I think, you know, as as coaches, we're certainly entitled to have clear opinions. And I actually think that, like, it's it's the difference between having an opinion and and making judgments. I have a very clear opinion that that compassion in, is an essential ingredient in in politics, uh, and we're not seeing enough of it. I'm very clear about that opinion. But I'm not going to judge somebody for the political party that they belong to. I'm more inclined to sort of suggest to them that if, they, if they're a member of a political party that isn't my favourite flavour, then but they agree with me about compassion, that's fabulous. That's an opportunity for them to go in and change their party. So it, yeah, I, I think it's um, teasing those distinctions apart is really helpful in this question of you know, going back, circling back around to our actual topic, which is about that idea of, is it okay for me? Because really the topic is not so much how, how do I stop feeling like a fraud? The question is, how do I be truly myself and right. feel completely comfortable about my possibilities for success? Yes. So, yeah, great conversation. Well, thank you, guys. I'm just looking... Sorry, I'm waking my computer up. It went to sleep. <laughs> I'm looking at the time and thinking, well, it's nearly been an hour. Um, is there anything else that we want to touch on with this topic or do you think we've we've wrung out as much juice out of it as we can? Yes, I'm good. Thank you. You're good? Yeah, no, I'm Annie? good. Excellent. All right, thank you, guys. I will um, send out the recording within 24 hours and... Um, assuming TalkShoe behaves itself, and uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. Nikki, I think you're going to be moving into another uh, group or something next week. Yes. Um, so I have a call with uh, Laura to understand if oh, she cool. can adjust her timing. So hopefully something will work out. But if, we, if the fine. recording is over, I just wanted to ask you something else. I'll tell you something else, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a, yeah. So I wanted to tell you how the universe had my back the other day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we just became citizens a few months ago, and there's been a lot of this campaigning going on for the state elections. Oh, of course, uh, yes. Everywhere, yes. yeah. And so I kept asking my husband, do we need to vote for this? So he's like, no, <laughs> it's not mandatory, it's optional. You just have to vote for the federal elections. So oh. I'm very, very <laughs> trusting of him. I was like, okay, that's fine. I don't have to think about this then. So just... <laughs> And then my husband went off for a work trip to London for 10 days, and he was away. And on Saturday, which is a election day, on, on Friday night, I was watching telly, and I saw a, a, an ad, ad uh, saying that it's mandatory. 
And I was like, yep. oh, no, this is mandatory, and I have no clue about it. So first I went on Google, checked everything, and I was like, yes, I need to vote. I'm already enrolled, and I have not even thought of who I'm going to vote for and how I'm going to go about this. And then I'm calling my husband frantically, telling him it's urgent. Please call me back because first he had to hear about how he gave me the wrong information and yes. how he was you know, wrong there, and then about what he's going to do because he's overseas. And yeah. uh, all the information said that, you know, you need, if you're going overseas, you have to send in a form beforehand and, you know, use yes. the eye yep. Yeah, so all of that. So anyway, he probably, like, he sent the form, but obviously he just sent it on Saturday, the day of voting. I don't know what's going to happen, but I felt great because I felt universe had my back. And I went and voted and uh, didn't get much time to research. But, yeah, in the in the 12 hours, whatever I could manage. And I went and voted. So I felt good that Excellent. the universe had my back. <laughs> Excellent. Congratulations for your first voting in Australia. That's awesome. That's, that's, I, um, I hope you celebrate it. But yeah, no, that was great. That was really good. Um, and I have to tell you, the universe will continue to have your back because um, uh, even though, yes, it is mandatory, um, the Electoral Commission are pretty good about usually what happens if you miss voting, they'll usually send your letter to sort of say, you know, please explain. And your husband's reason for not realizing that he had to vote, and then he went away, and all the rest of it, they'll be fine. Yeah. But usually, they'll be yeah. fine with that. It's very rare <laughs> that they actually find people, so yeah, yeah. it's all good. Yeah, I know on the website it said they'll take you to court if they don't think the reason is good enough. And I was like, Sarah, you're going to be in yeah. trouble now. <laughs> yeah, no, they'll. Um, uh, I, I'm sure you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Fine. So. All right, thank anyway, you. Thank and, you. Um, well, we'll um, uh, Melanie, I'm no doubt I will talk to you next week. <laughs> oh, I think she might have dropped off already. Yes, no, I'm here. Sorry, oh, I was muted. Okay. <laughs> That's all right. I'm used to Melanie. There's always a slight delay when I call on Melanie because she's, yeah. she's so um, uh, good about muting herself with her pups. <laughs> yeah. All right, then. I'll finish the recording and then... With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.